Hi, guys. Welcome to Shipwreck! I'm so excited. Um, so, um, my name is Amy Stevenson. I will be your, your MC tonight. Um, who's, has anyone been to the Shipwrecks in New York yet? Oh, oh, yes. Yes. Okay. Gatsby. How great was Gatsby? Gatsby is so great, you guys. That guy's great. All right. <laughs> All right. Here's how this works for those of you who have not been here. Um, Shipwreck is a competitive fan fiction show. For anyone who missed that memo, I don't know how you would have. Um, we are based in San Francisco at a bookstore called The Booksmith, um, where I run the events program. Yeah, woo, Booksmith. Um, we run a show every month on the first Thursday of every month. We pick a new book, we invite six writers, we ask them to write terrible things about characters that they love. Um, <laughs> we've been going strong every month since 2013. We have a whole lot of fun. Um, and I'm so excited to be here in New York, so thank you so much for having me as part of Super Week. It's amazing. Um, yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Here's how it's gonna work. Uh, I'm gonna bring our writers up on the stage um, and we're gonna hear three pieces, as read by the invisible person standing in front of that, um, that music stand there. Um, and then we're gonna take a quick break, and then we're gonna hear the last three pieces. And then you're gonna have to vote. So you should all have voting cards. If not, we have people kind of around by the doors. Um, and remember, as you're thinking about how to vote, you're gonna wanna rank your top three favorites. So number one is your most favorite, number two is your second favorite, number three is your third favorite. Does that make sense to everybody? Yes. yes. Please, do not tell me four, five, six. <laughs> voting takes a long time. <laughs> And also, it's very mean. <laughs> I don't want to know who's your least favorite. That's mean. I think that's all I got. I think we should start this. What do you guys think? All right. All right. First up, our first writer. She lives in Brooklyn by way of Indianapolis, Indiana. She is currently writing a memoir, among other things, and co-editing the anthology Not That Bad, Dispatches from Rape Culture with Roxane Gay. Her work has appeared in The Guardian, Elle, BuzzFeed, Slate, Design Sponge, and lots of other places. Follow her work at AshleyCFord.net and her ramblings at iSmashFizzle on Twitter. Ashley Ford! <laughs> All right, next up. Oh my God, I'm so excited that this man is here tonight. He lived in San Francisco with me and now he's here and it breaks my heart every day he has been a firefighter he has worked on a boat he has been given a sword by a king thereby accomplishing three out of five of his childhood goals <laughs> Where, uh, you can ask him I don't know <laughs> I've been reading this bio for like five years and I still don't know what those other two goals are <laughs> um, he is the editor of BuzzFeed Books and co-author of Pen and Ink Tattoos and the Stories Behind Them um, when he was young, his father recorded himself reading the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy and sent the tapes to him by mail, one by one. <laughs> Which is to say that tonight is making him super fucking uncomfortable. <laughs> Isaac Fitzgerald! With your martini glass. So great. All right, she is a novelist. A comics writer, a script writer, a recovering journalist, and occasional documentary maker. She is the author of Broken Monsters, about, um, about, <laughs> about art, murder, and dreams in Detroit. Zoo City, a black magic noir set in Johannesburg. Um, 
And Moxieland, uh, about a corporate apartheid state, and The Shining Girls, about a time-traveling serial killer and the survivor who turns the hunt around. Guys, these books are insane. Please, just, they're for sale outside. Just do, just read them. Just read them. Um, her books have been translated into 26 languages, only two of which she can actually read. Um, and option for film and TV. Um, her original creator, creator-owned comic, um, Survivor's Club, co-written by Dale Halverson, who is also here tonight somewhere, with art by Ryan Kelly, comes out tomorrow with Vertigo. Follow her on Twitter and Instagram as Lauren Bucus. Lauren Bucus. He is the author of the military fantasy Shadow Ops Trilogy, Control Point, Fortress Frontier, and Breach Zone. His latest novel, Gemini Cell, is out now, followed by Javelin Rain in March. As a security contractor, government civilian, and military officer, his career has run the gamut from counterterrorism to cyber warfare to federal law enforcement. He's done three tours in Iraq and was recalled to serve during the Deepwater Horizon oil spill. Mike Cole! She wrote, she wrote filthy stories about the boy she had crushes on in eighth grade, but has, lived a, but has lived a much tamer fictional life since then. She's the events director at Word Bookstores. A movie critic for the Eugene Weekly, don't worry, you've never heard of it. And one of those people who is trying to finish their goddamn novel already. Molly Templeton! Oh my God, that dress. I can't even. All right, last up. She is a writer from Dublin, Ireland. Guys, she's here from Dublin to write this for you. She doesn't live in San Francisco anymore. (laughs) She's a semi-retired spoken word performer, and her first book, Not Lost, was a nonfiction collection of essays about living in America. Her YA debut, Spare and Found Parts, is about robots and teenage girls and is forthcoming with Green Willow Press in 2016. Her former ships for shipwreck, and this is true, (laughs) include The Eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg and the Starship Enterprise. Smog the Dragon getting it on with Fraser Crane on a golf course. And Fox Mulder having a sexy time in Narnia. Sarah Griffin! Do you guys do you guys do you guys see her tit shirt? Her shirt is a tit shirt. Do you guys see this? You knew I was gonna call out that tit shirt as soon as you wore it tonight. Alright. Now it's <laughs> titties. <laughs> now it is time for the man of the hour. I think tonight, I think tonight we're going to finally learn what's in his pockets is. <laughs> Cecil Baldwin! All right, well, he gets adjusted. I will be here to give you brief intros of every characters in case, in character in case you don't know them. Um, so, oh, man, I'm a mess here. All right, so first up, as they're going to go in order on your voting card, so first up we have uh, Gimli, son of Gloin. Um, his, his race is dwarf. His aliases include Elfriend, Lockbearer, Lord of the Glittering Caves. <laughs> his interests include Galadriel's hair. Mm-hmm. Reaching across the aisle and axes, and his dislikes include long walks through mythical forests blindfolded. 
the undying hands of him. <laughs> the gun started. <laughs> Gimli woke with the sun. At least that's what he called the mound of gold that glittered next to his bed. He extended his arms above his head and stretched loudly enough to wake half the other dwarves in the mountain. He unwrapped the length of his beard from his morning sword. That's what he called his dwarf dick. Nothing helped his facial hair hold a curl like the hot rod between his short legs. And if you-know-who ever showed up around here, he'd be grateful to look his best. Gimli's days were carefully ordered, designed to keep him distracted from his longing. Ever since he returned from the Battle of the Pelennor Fields, he was missing something, and he was missing it bad. Was it his friends? The joy of watching Frodo and Sam fall in love faster than lesbian humans 30 minutes into a first date? Or did he miss the, uh, uh, or did he miss the uh, inimitable pleasure of swinging a long, stiff, heavy axe into the heart of his enemies? No, none of those were right. And he couldn't bring himself to consider that it might be something else. Someone else. Someone tall. <laughs> slender. Who maybe looked a little too much like Draco's dad. <laughs> had a baby with Donatella Versace. Perhaps... If he could just see him again, if he could just tell... No. Gimli roared and smashed the wall beside him with the side of his fist. In spite of his anger, his massive erection returned with a vengeance, <laughs> mocking him with its vile eye, turning him into a tripod, and confirming what he dared not speak aloud. He was in love with a fucking elf. How could this have happened? He wondered. Now that he thought about it, maybe Legolas had done this to him on purpose. Some sort of sexy elf conjuring. <laughs> Never trust an elf, he muttered to his heart on. <laughs> After pulling the pud to relieve himself of his morning sword, Gimli headed to breakfast. He rounded the corner into the great hall and stopped in his tracks. Was that a figment of his imagination? Either he'd gone mad or Legolas was sitting at his table and in his seat. Gimli blinked a few times and cleared his throat. Out of my seat, elf! <laughs> he bellowed. And as Legolas rose from the table, Gimli couldn't help but admire the tight, sinewy length of his legs or the way his hair, brighter than any gold in all the mountains, shimmered against the dark stone of the chair. It was as if Peter Pan himself had procreated with Ashley Parker Angel, <laughs> the hottest member of the former boy band O-Town. 
what he wouldn't do to play out a few of his own liquid dreams. His morning sword twitched, but he managed to contain himself. Legolas approached him, arms open and smile shining. More tricks, more conjuring, Gimli thought. Though if you'd ask him in that moment, he may have admitted that he wanted to be conjured by this elf, or that he wanted even more than that. Old friend, Legolas wrapped his arms around Gimli, undeterred by the dwarf's stiff response. Why have you come here? Gimli crossed his arms in front of his chest. Actually, he replied, I've come to talk to you about something more urgent, but could we do so privately? <laughs> Legolas eyed the other dwarves working around him, trying to discern females from males, <laughs> and then remembered that gender is a social construct, and... and then abandoned those thoughts for the more pressing issues at hand. <laughs> Gimli led Legolas back to his bedroom, which had been straightened and cleaned while he was gone. He quickly realized that the only place to sit was the bed. So he stood. <laughs> Legolas, however, walked straight over to the bed and sprawled across it, staring at the ceiling. He felt like an angel felled from the heavens, he is all the light of Arendelle, thought Gimli, and he's in my bed. <laughs> Gimli walked slowly toward the bed and sat beside his friend. Well, out with it. Legolas chuckled. Funny you should use the word out. <laughs> Gimli shifted. What is, wh why is that funny? Legolas sighed. Oh, come on, gee, don't be thick. Or is it true what they say about dwarves? Can you not help being thick? <laughs> and before Gimli could say another word, Legolas was on top of him, kissing him, running his lithe fingers through his beard, and leaving little shiny braids wherever he touched. <laughs> Gimli couldn't believe what was happening. No one had ever braided his beard so fast. Not even the ladies who hung out by the 125th stop in Harlem. <laughs> he felt overwhelmed, flushed, unsure of what was happening. This was an elf, goddammit. He couldn't fuck an elf here in the mountain where his forefathers lived and in plain sight of all his gold? <laughs> I can't do this. He leapt to the other side of the bed. What are you so scared of? Legolas whispered. But the whisper was coming from inside his own head. Legolas sat on the far end of the bed, staring intently into his eyes. Stop this sorcery, Gimli pleaded. 
Legolas shook his head and spoke aloud. It's not sorcery. I've missed you as much as you've missed me. And I know you've missed me. Can't we just stop lying to one another, hating each other, and pretending killing orcs was all about competition? <laughs> Watching me kill them turned you on as much as it turned me on. Admit it. Can't we be like Sam and Frodo? Can't you just love me and let me love you back? That was different. Gimli muttered. Why? Because they're both hobbits. You and me, elf and dwarf, it's unnatural. Legolas rushed towards Gimli and kissed him so deeply that hundreds of miles away, Galandriel weeped a drop of sweat from her brow. Wiped, sorry. You know what's happening. Did that feel natural? Legolas asked. More than anything, Gimli sighed. Then they began to slowly undress. Now this took a while because Legolas's clothes were mad complicated. And Gimli's were matted to his body hair. Finally, they stood before one another, naked, throbbing, and reddened with some kind of magical testosterone-type shit. And Gimli parted his beard to the flesh below and revealed the ultimate secret of dwarves. Their chins were shaped not unlike history's most perfect penis. Legolas turned away from his lover and bent over the edge of the bed. His legs were long enough that even standing, Gimli was in the perfect position to pleasure him. First, the dwarf licked Legolas's eye of Sauron. And then he put on a ring. Not that kind. One made specifically to fit around the width of his penis chin. And finally, he used the bottom of his face to enter the elf. He began a rhythm of thrusting, licking and letting go of every bit of pent-up frustration he'd been carrying for months. And when Legolas finished, they lay beside each other, breathing heavily, neither wanting to disrupt the moment. Legolas eventually broke the silence. It's never been like that before. He breathed. No one has ever pleased me so thoroughly. Gimli grinned to himself. Never send an elf to do what a dwarf was built for. My, my, 
My favorite thing about this show is when it gets super gross, you guys all look at me like I did something. Like I did. <laughs> all right, we got Treebeard up next. I'm really glad you guys are into the character list because we picked kind of like this, the, the B string because we figured, uh, you know, I, I'm, you guys are into Treebeard? That's, that's awesome. All right, well, you know, he's an Ent and also literally a tree, so let's do the thing. The mostly true confessions of Peregrine Took. I know, I know you want to hear about Treebeard. Everyone always wants to hear about Treebeard. It's almost as if hobbits have lost our popularity. I guess all those movies verged on oversaturation. The Ents were pretty unhappy about their representation. Anyway, I'm the one to tell you about Treebeard because really, have you ever heard an Ent talk? It's all (laughs) Don't be hasty We will get Hard in time. If Treebeard told this story, we would be here for literally days. And you'd fall asleep between words. Ents. Love them. Fuck them. Can't wait for them to finish. We didn't tell that old rider with the pipe anything. I mean, so much time was unaccounted for, and he seemed really hung up on where Aragorn was at any given moment. Like, okay, that's nice that you had your mind blown sexually in the woods and can't even glimpse an orchard without your own twig and berries having a sudden growth spurt. But where was the manhood? I mean, the man who would be king. I'm surprised Mary and I were in the story at all, but I digress. I said I would do my best, and it's much easier to think without Mary here interrupting. He inevitably starts yelling about the one cock ring and the relative size of branches. It's pointless. And what good is a cock ring that turns you invisible anyway? So, we were just hanging out in Fangorn, right? Uh, um, escape from orcs, having a minute to relax and explore the wood, I mean, woods, <laughs> until Mary had the dumb idea to tell Treebeard about Saruman and his big evil tower. The forest was the bomb. We snuck ent drafts into our flasks, tipped our little hairy ho- uh, tripped our little hairy hobbit balls off, and lay around in great damp pools of moss like there was no tomorrow. Fuck quests. <laughs> and wizards. I thought I saw a unicorn in the sky. Oops, just one of those big eagles. <laughs> Freaky bastards. We didn't know where Treebeard went all the time, and we didn't care. Until I was high enough to ask. Treebeard! I shouted a couple times until the ant pointed that big wood head at me 
Um, hi. Well, me and Mary, we were just wondering, like, what do you do all day? What does it mean? The ant harooned. You know when you're trashed and someone asks you a really easy question <laughs> and you have no clue what the answer could possibly be? Well, I got the feeling that ants are like that all of the time. Their minds just move at a slower pace like the rest of them. Wood is hard stuff. Not so flexible. What does it mean? I repeated. Um, well, where were you before you were here talking to us? The ant scratched its mossy bit with one very long finger. What was left of any tattered pants got a little snug. So much wood. And then the tree grew a cock. Like, just grew one. <laughs> grew one. It wasn't there, and then it was. <laughs> Doing, Treebeard said. Do halflings want to learn? <laughs> At this point, Mary passed out. I don't know if it was from shock or ant drafts. Really, who cares? I had a giant tree cock all to myself, and I planned to drunkenly figure out what to do with it. We had a very illuminating converse, uh, conversation. Ants, as it turns out, just pretty much are sex. They live basically forever, and they can grow whatever appendages or orifices they want. I gather the euphemistic use of wood was inspired by an ant some time ago who taught a human a thing or two. Or five. Morning wood means something entirely different to me now. Treebeard was very patient. Nothing hasty in showing me new ways to do things. New places to put things. Branches come in all sizes. You can put them anywhere. If you have a caring ant partner who's careful about bark and judicious in the use of sap. Wood grain, though? Damn. If a tree isn't growing giant wood, it's growing, uh, places? I don't know what to call them. Hollows? What's something nature-y? Uh, uh, nature that you put your cock in? <laughs> I put my cock in all of it. There's another thing that, writer, that the writer got wrong. Entwives disappearing, so sad. Not. Ents are just ents. They can, if they choose, have tab A and slot B and slot C and tab D and some other things you never learned about in anatomy class. 
They believe marriage is a construct of the patriarchy. <laughs> which is to say, the elves. who live forever and cheat like you wouldn't believe because they inevitably regret their super straight, like their hair, eternal elf marriages. <laughs> Except for maybe Celeborn. You know, I hear Galandriel is a real sorceress in the sack. <laughs> and Ents don't gender identify. It took about three days for Treebeard to tell me all of that. And the word for gender identify in Entish takes 4.5 hours to say. <laughs> all by itself. But it really opened my eyes. But that's the thing about sex with Ents. If a tree comes in the woods... <laughs> does it make a sound? Or does it take three days to get there? <laughs> You've got to be patient. It's downright tantric. By the time they finish one come on, which they think is quick and flirty, the clever little branch in your hobbit hole has done the job and you're basically unconscious with ecstasy. <laughs> but that's when it's your turn. We're so small, you know? We're like pocket size to an ant. Our tree hollow full of moss sized. I feel a little funny telling you this, and not just funny in my pants, <laughs> which is inevitable, and when I think about Ent Wood, but I'm not ashamed. My name is Peregrine Took, and I've been a dildo for a tree. It was a very sexy tree. <laughs> the pleasure was mutual. How do I know? What do you think ent drafts are? <laughs> now, if you'll excuse me, I need to go for a walk in the woods. Genuine shock when the tree dick happened. That was amazing. <clears throat> all right, we got one more, and then we're going to take a quick break so we can all think about what we've done. Um, <laughs> so we have Galadriel up next. I was uh, with my partner in a cafe the other day. We were trying to figure out like, how I was going to introduce all these characters that need, obviously, like, no introduction whatsoever. And he was like, well, you could just be like, uh, you could be the king, but watch the queen conquer. So I'm going to go with that. You are the child of... Fenafir, or Fena, excuse me, let me start that again. <laughs> you are the child of Finarfin and Erwin, and the only daughter amongst four brothers. You stood at the front line of the battles of Noldor. You have looked into the face and terrible temptation of the One Ring and said, nah, I'm good. <laughs> You're 8,338 years old. You're married to a dude who looks just like you. <laughs> Which is great, given you're still a stone-cold fox even though you've popped out four kids. Plus, your stomach is as flat as the plains of Rohan, and you don't even work out that much. 
You're like six foot four, two, which makes human, elven, and dwarf men kind of scared and kind of turned on at the same time. And you're into that. Historians and anthropologists of your land write extensive passages on the might of your flawless sheet of white golden hair. There's talk of starlight in your scalp. There's talk of cosmic will in your follicles. They say that glimmers from Telepron and Laurelin keep your split ends in check. <laughs> the might of Valinor keeps your roots from getting flat. Your Elfstagram has like 1.6 million followers. Your bio reads, live, laugh, love, Lorian. Nail paint emoji, sparkly emoji. <laughs> You're thinking of starting up, starting up an elf, elf tube channel because you can totally run tutorials on your upkeep and styling. Really reinforce your brand. Maybe get some freebies from Elven Outfitters. Your hair game is strong, like real strong. Now, all of this considered, when you gaze down upon Gimli and ask him what his heart truly desires, and he plays all coy, all just the last sight of you is enough, all you are more fair than all the jewels beneath the earth, you totally don't believe him. He wants one of your hairs. Of course he does. You get like 8,000 comments during the same thing on every single one of your selfies. With his eyes upon you though, searching, desperate, nervous, noble too, and blue like the sea of Rune, you think to yourself, yeah, you could totally make this work, but only if you were on top. You are always on top. You lean down the two-foot difference in your heights and whisper, Gimli, son of Gloen, you can't have any hairs from my head. They're a really integral part of my brand. But I will grant you three from elsewhere on one condition you're going to have to get them yourself. With your teeth. You lift the heavy gilded hem of your white robe and toss it over Gimli's bemused but obviously delighted head. He is well used to working in the dark. These dwarves are all about their caves. <laughs> he leans into your crotch, and his tongue meets the mound of you, searching like torchlight in the mines for the bright diamond of your clit. <laughs> you feel the first hair leave your skin. You think about fucking him as the first rolls of pleasure roll through your body, roll under your skin, 
You think, yeah, you could be on top. You think about opening yourself like a cosmic tear and consuming his mortal flesh with your gravity. You think about Celeborn in a moment, about how much this would really piss him off. And then you think about how hot you probably look right now. How totally into this Gimli is, how hard he's working, and the pleasure notches up a little. And you notice he's left his mithril axe on the floor, and you think, man, you could totally fucking axe. You could accommodate that. You're the queen of Lothlorien. You could fuck whatever you want. The second hair leaves your skin. And you focus yourself a moment to see what Gimli's thinking about as he scores your celestial gash, like the last days of Middle-earth depended on it. You can feel the rippling edges of your clairvoyance connect connect you to the landscape of his mind. What is the dwarf thinking of? What's going on? Blonde hair. He's thinking of blonde hair. Of course he is. He's thinking of a narrow nose, of almond eyes, of of neat fishtail braids. What? You're not even wearing fishtail braids. Is he thinking about... Is he thinking about Legolas? Legolas, son of Thranduil? Is he here at the altar of the Lady of the Golden Fucking Wood? Making out with her imperial majestic vagina? And he's thinking about Legolas? Legolas is so basic. It's wrecked for you now. It doesn't even feel good anymore. It just feels like blind tonguing and like low-key biting. You better not get a urinary tract infection from this. It was totally going so well, too. That's what you get for using your psychic powers during sex. It was getting kind of hot. You were totally going to have a sneaky midday orgasm. And you went and ruined it. Celeborn always gives you shit for this. For snooping into other people's minds and ruining the moment. You feel the third hair leave your body and you're so done. You're like totally knocked out of the moment. You're not even going to fake it. You just tap his head and whisper, okay, you can stop now. You aren't even going to say thanks. He can just deal with it. (laughs) Gimli emerges, blushing, damp-mouthed, and pulls three short, shining curls from his mouth and clasps them beneath his finger and thumb, a golden, curly bouquet. Thank you, my lady, he murmurs, dazed, overcome. Thanks for what? Thanks for looking kind of like Legolas. 
Yeah, go and tell your boys that, you say, turning your back and walking away. Later, you are in the bath, considering rubbing one out. You watch as your bath bomb fizzes around your legs and releases rose petals and glitter into the pool around you. And you think, this would make a really tasteful Elfstagram. And snap a shot real quick. You'll upload it later. As you sink into the fizzing water, you think again of that afternoon, of gifting the dwarf your hair, of how his boner was totally for Legolas and not for you. You think of them making out, of them pulling close into one another. You think Gimli would totally be on top. Legolas is such a bottom. <laughs> Heat pools within you as you imagine them together. You think, man, you could write something about this. Is there a place on the internet where people would read this? You write their dense, awkward, but enthusiastic 69ing in your head. And when you get out of the bath, after you've come, you begin to type it out for real. You'll never say so! All right, we're going to take a 10-minute break. 10-minute break. Back here. Before we bring everybody out and start the second half, I just have a couple of things. Um, as I mentioned, I am here from San Francisco, running a show from 3,000 miles away truly takes a village. So I just wanted to take a second to thank everybody. Um, first of all, huge thanks to Casey Childers. I don't know where he is, but he runs the show with me in San Francisco. He's around here somewhere. Um, yeah, don't even know what I would do without that guy. Huge thanks to New York Super Week. I really hope this is not the nerdiest thing you do all week. Please do more nerdy things. Um, this is their second year inviting me back. I don't know why, but they're amazing. Um, so huge thanks to New York Super Week for, for, uh, for having us. We love it. Absolutely love being a part of this. Um, also to Word Books for selling books. Um, they're out front. Um, they have a booth. Please buy everyone's books. Please support independent local bookstores. And finally, thank you, huge, huge thank you to Jen Northington, my soul twin in New York City. Um, she is with Book Riot. Um, Book Riot invites you to join them at uh, Book Riot Live, which is a two-day reader convention celebrating books and reading. General Nerdery, they're amazing. Check out what they have. They have such amazing programs. I'm so angry that I live in San Francisco. Um, all right, so that's that. Does that, okay, great. Um, we have three more pieces to get to and then you guys get to vote. So right now I'm gonna have you make a lot of noise and get our writers back out on the stage. Here they come, here they come. Hey, do you guys want Cecil back out here? You guys want Cecil back out here? Where is he? All right. All right, we got three more. So, next up, according to your voting cards, we have Sauron. No joke, we had like five pages of character lists trying to decide what were the right five, six characters from this fucking series to pick. And we went back and forth between Sauron and Saruman so many times that I literally eventually flipped a coin. So anyway. Uh, so yeah, um, uh, Dark Lord of Mordor, the Red Eye, the title character, that guy. 
One does not simply walk into Mordor. Not without a fireproof condom, am I right? And let's not beat around the Mirkwood here. Your proclivity for eyeball licking is a fast track pass to the VIP area of the Mount Doom annual villains orgy. Welcome, fellow perverts. I'm your orgy MC, Saruman the White. And please put your hands or claws or hooves together for our gracious host, that master of shadows and phantoms, the necromancer, binding king, twisted kingster, our dark lord, voyeur in chief, give it up for Sauron. Of course, I'm assuming you all flew in I mean, only a plebe would walk when we got a special deal on Eagle Uber for all our guests. Not so chaotic good, after all. When it comes to doing business, eh, Eagles? So's Gandalf, or Saw's Gandalf, Fifty Shades of the Grey. You'll have to take the long way around. Or get your kicks with hobbits instead. An apology before we get into the good stuff. We were supposed to have Sting in to perform for you tonight. <laughs> but the goblins who were supposed to kidnap him brought us some stupid pointy little sword instead. And I'm not talking about orc dick. Although please help yourself. Just be warned that when we say the Urukai feast on the flesh of men, it means they leave nasty hickeys. <laughs> so yeah, uh, goblin mix-up, uh, those little blighters, uh, sorry. We didn't get Sting, uh, the tantric sex master and songster, but maybe I can give you a little taster of how this was supposed to go down. Every breath you take, every ring you make, Every binding you break, every thrust you take, he'll be watching you. From his dark tower. Okay, okay, sex now, karaoke later. But before you all go and get Helms Deep, a few house rules, evildoers and hell beasts. One, everyone is welcome. No judges here as long as it's all villainously consensual. Speak, friend, and enter. <laughs> Whatever happens in the clammy darkness of the hobbit hole stays in the hobbit hole. Dragons fucking carts, great. But please be considerate and clean up your own smog ma. <laughs> Especially if it's group bondage with blindfolds. He really loves binding in the dark. 
Oh, no. Oh, oh, we're out of order. Oh, my God. Okay. Back on track. The thing that Goblin King does with the giant spiders, his fleshy jowls jiggling as they swarm across his face, and he tries to get his tongue into any silk hole on offer. Not personally my thing, but it's all good here. So do what gets you off. But if your partner isn't into it, I have one word of advice, villains. Fro, don't. Number two, play safe. Please help yourself to mithril condoms. Um, compliments of our friends in Rivendell, uh, some of whom are here tonight. Hi, Arwen. They glow in the presence of goblins and also goblin STIs. We also have our signature range of artisanal strap-ons, the Mount Dooms, Lovingly crafted by those beardy hipsters of Middle-earth, the dwarves, who have been uninvited after last time. I know, I know, I said everyone's welcome, but those dwarves are too greedy and grabby, especially the females. <laughs> Classic Blunders 101. Never get involved in a land war in Asia. Never go against a Sicilian when death is on the line. Never invite dwarves to an orgy. <laughs> oh, yeah. And a safety tip here. Never come between a Nazgul and its prey. <laughs> Unless you know the safe word. <laughs> Number three. Okay. Okay. This is an important one. You may have noticed a certain stabbing Northwood flame of red, that, that dreadful glimpse, that glazed yellow eye, like a cat, watchful and intent, the black split open onto a pit and rimmed with fire. And hey, talking about rimming, yeah, I'm looking at you, ring wraiths. <laughs> what I'm trying to get at here, remember, Sauron is watching everything. You cannot hide. He sees you. There is no life in the void. Only acts of perversion and blatant exhibitionism. So please, be considerate and make sure he gets a good view of whatever depraved deliciousness you are indulging in. Especially if it's group bondage with blindfolds. He really loves binding in the dark. But please... No cock ring jokes. Four. Some highlights of the evening or suggested activities you might want to participate in. I'm not just the MC, I'm also an orgy participant. If you want to play with my orange black ball, baby, just ask. The Balrog will be uh, frolicking with the Watcher in the Water with its 21, count them, 21 tentacles throughout the evening. Please feel free to join in. 21. I can't get over it. Talk about a reach around. For the ladies, Wormtongue lives up to his name. Although... There are other parts, disappointingly, that also fit the description. Hey, come on, you know it's true. Those who would like to try out the wolf's head, 
the 150-foot-long battering ram with its head in the shape of a ravening wolf? Please sign the waiver first. (laughs) And a special indulgence. At midnight, exactly, when the lidless eye is high, Miss Arwen will be indulging in her favorite fetish, tree bearding. Let me paint you a picture, a wanton elf of ambivalent uh, allegiance, prostrate naked and touching herself with a cluster jerk-off evil ents, all chafing their bark, sawing their logs, rooting around, rubbing two sticks together, milking the sap until they spurt great globs of hot and sticky sap across her face and breasts. And she cries out in delight and frantic orgasm, writhing in their tree juices. I know you're not going to want to miss out on that one. Let me keep you no longer, libidinous adventurers of your dark desires. Venture forth. Be merry. Fuck everything. And enjoy Sauron's dominion of torment. And remember, all thy acts, not just your shriveled mind, will be left naked to the lidless eye. And that's the way we like it. You guys weren't ready for Sting. None of you were ready for Sting. None of you were ready for Sting. No, absolutely not. All right, next up we got Shadowfax. He's a horse. He's like the best... We have some Shadowfax fans. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> is that a real question? <laughs> Shadowfax is Gandalf's horse. Okay. Isaac is caught up. Um, his likes include like eavesdropping, bareback, Gandalf, and being better than you. The problem with you young people is that you think you've got the market covered on kink. You think that because you shop for French ticklers at Bayland means you're the Mona Lisa of deviants. Well, I'm old. Like, old. First of the Maras old. I remember Theoden as knee-high to a skeeter, and Rohan hadn't, been built, hadn't built the Great Hall yet. Old. You see some fucked up shit in that time. And I'm here to tell you that you kids, that you are way late to the party. A lot of you think Rohan's main fortress is called the Hornburg because of some Germanic lilt in our mother tongue, but you're wrong. It's A, English, and B, descriptive. (laughs) The same with Wormtongue, a guy who was actually a pretty good advisor, but who spent more time under the shield maiden skirts than than anything else. And I know they say that Theoden was fatally crushed beneath his horse while fighting the Witch King of Angmar in Pelennor Fields, but I'm here to tell you that it is not so. The man was a victim of his own appetites. Catherine the Great style. When the horse who was servicing him, a a friend of mine, actually, who misses the old coot terribly, slipped off the edge of the um, mounting block and fell on him. So yeah, 
Fighting orcs was only one of the many things that the House of Errol has lusted for. Ekenbrand was forever pulling his pod in the stable privy. Hama had a great fondness for butt plugs. And Freya never went three steps from her bedchamber without at least two pairs of Benoit balls doing the rounds. Kink didn't just appear with the third age, and I'm not surprised to see that the last thing Frodo packed before his ship set sail for the Grey Havens was his copy of Bilbo's journal. You do realize that that was just a cover for his a collection of Come Guzzling Elves, Volume 9. We all knew it. But we kept quiet because Sam didn't want his master to die of mortification. My point is that the kink you celeborn come latelys are practicing was invented by the perverts of my generation. You third agers have made a lot of improvements. However, and chief among them is this. You invented the concept of GGG. Dan Savage gets it right. You've got to be good, giving, and game. Up for anything. Just the other day, I was reading about a guy who had to get it in a bathtub full of wet clay to get his horses running. After what you see in Rohan every day, I don't judge. I mean, I don't claim to understand, but I sure as heck don't judge. And that's what I'm counting on from all of you. You get a lot of side-eye for being a talking horse in the first place. <laughs> Let alone the fastest one in Middle Earth. But you see, there's a reason for that. And it has to do with my particular kink. One I've kept silent about for long enough. I'm doing my big reveal here tonight. And I'm going to rely on GGG latitude from each and every one of you. Don't judge. Or at least judge silently. I get off on running. Yeah, you heard that right. Running really gets me, well, running. <laughs> the faster, the longer, the harder the gallop, the longer and harder I am, and the faster I get where I'm going. <laughs> Eyebrow wiggle. <laughs> I first discovered this on our hell-bent for leather dash across the wilderness. Between Rohan and the Shire in just six days. You heard that right. Faster than Han ran the Kessel Run. Sorry. With my shallow sheathed horse flesh bouncing between my port and starboard quarter. You see, I have this thing with my horsely protuberance. It doesn't fully retract which results in a certain degree of bouncing and thus stimulation when moving at high speeds. Adding weight only increases the friction, so carrying both Gandalf and Gimli all the way between Fangorn to Edoras left me considerably more lathered than the common horse. And that downhill run to liberate Helm's Deep those petrified orcs thought I was whinnying in rage when I was, in point of fact, coming uncontrollably. <laughs> I 
To the point where I had to charge even faster to avoid going tits up in my own semen. <laughs> Gandalf, thank Iluvatar, was so hell-bent on saving the defenseless that he didn't even notice. And it didn't end there. I was taken to heights of ecstasy on the gallop to save uh, Faramir. And lots of other people praised my bravery when I stood firm before the Witch King of Angmar. Which, when I was in fact paralyzed by a mind-bending orgasm. <laughs> utterly unable to move. And then it was back to get Faramir again. This time off that pyre his dad had thrown him on. By which time, I don't mind telling you, my balls were the size of shriveled peas. It's an odd spot to be in. I mean, it's delightful, but I spend half of my life so fucking exhausted. I'm ready to drop dead where I stand. I think that if Gandalf fully appreciated what he was asking when he told me to show him the meaning of haste... He'd be so mortified, he'd crawl into that pointy head of his and never come out. So, I appeal to all you youngsters out there. Show a little respect to your equine elders. Odds are that the thing that tickle your pickles might turn your eyes blue. And above all, don't judge. As nasty as it is for you to consider it, we're the ones that have to live with it, after all. <laughs> I love you guys. All right. <laughs> we, got, we got one more. And it's Tom Bombadil. Do you guys have feelings about Tom Bombadil? I thought you might have feelings about Tom Bombadil. I feel like his race could be described as like theater kid. <laughs> um, his likes include bright blue jackets, yellow boots, not being in the movies. Um, <laughs> his smoking hot wife, and, and listening to people argue about whether his character matters. Mm -hmm. <laughs> hey, hole, merry doll. Ring-a-dong-dillo. Ring-a-dong, hop-along, fa-la-la-the-willow. Tom Bum, Jolly Tom, Tom Bombadillo. <laughs> Welcome, little travelers. Won't you stay a while? You are at Tom's house now. We can make you smile. We is me and my wife, the river woman's daughter. She's slender as the willow wand and clearly so much hotter. <laughs> Her hair is yellow as my boots, her eyes bluer than my jacket. And if you lick her pleasant spots, well, she loves to make a racket. <laughs> yes, that's right, come along, hop along, my hearties. Her name is Goldberry, and we're both very fond of parties. <laughs> hey, whole married all, ring my wife's dillo. 
Make her gong, hop along, fa la la the willow. Tom bomb, swinger tom, tom bombadillo. Ah, now what is this? You look a bit uneasy. Come on now, don't be like that. We just want to please ye. It's okay if you don't swing that way. Tom's an open fella. If Goldberry ain't your speed, you can taste some of my Nutella. Frodo, Sam, Mary, Pippin, don't look so astounded. Tom is a jolly man who loves to get good and pounded. <laughs> Goldberry likes to watch, so come on, let's get greasy. Hobbit dicks, I know, are small, but four will surely please me. Mary Doll, ring-a-dong-dillo. Touch-a-dong, hop-along, won't you bite this pillow? Tom-bomb, sexy Tom, Tom-bombadillo. Mary Pippin, that's the spirit, I like to see you grinning. And yes, Sam, there you go, give Goldberry a good rimming. The old forest is a lovely place made for getting busy. So throw gender bias out the window, just whip into a tizzy. Here, now, would you look at this, a ring to make things kinky. Frodo Man Tom likes your style, shall I put it on my pinky? Aha, just a joke for this ring, I sure know well. Tis the one ring to rule them all. Now watch it make my cock swell. <laughs> hey ho, Mary Doll. The ring is on my dongo. Ring a dong, hop along. Look at how Tom's dong grows. Tom bomb, cock ring Tom, Tom bombadillos. Yes, my little hobbit friends, now we're all excited. But Frodo still looks concerned, not at all delighted. Is it because the ring is on my dick, but me you are still seeing? Well, don't you worry about a thing, for I'm a special being. Sure, I may seem a silly man just living by the river, but I'm as old as time itself, have tales that make you shiver. For I've been here since before the elves, always making merry. Now hand me the Astroglide and watch me turn out my dear Goldberry. Turn that Goldberry out. Turn Goldberry out. Hey ho, Mary Doll. Ring a dong, Beyonce. Ring a dong, hop along, cover your mouth in Beyonce. Tom Bomb Partition Tom, Tom Bombadillionce. Tis now the time of night that truly brings Tom pleasure. All of you are satisfied, even Frodo found some inner treasure. So now, my dear traveling friends, it is Tom who must be going. For you see, I transcend space and time, and other folks need blowing. So come now, dance along, ye good folks of the bell house. Think to yourself nasty thoughts of old Tom and his hot spouse. And as you sit there in tight pants or in your wet panties, 
Sing to yourself this merry tune and get yourself good and randy. Hey ho, merry doll, ring a dong, dillo, ring a dong, hop along, fa la la the willow. Tom, tom, bomb, jolly tom, tom, bombadillo. Holy shit! Okay, so before, before, before we get to who wrote what, I have a really exciting thing to tell you guys, and this is the first time we're ever announcing this publicly. Is everybody ready? You quiet! <laughs> we just, uh, we just uh, signed a book deal with Grand Central. There will, be, there will be an anthology, an anthology, an anthology of the very best of Shipwreck. Coming, coming in October of 2016. We will be we will be celebrating the launch here at Comic Con, providing they will have us back. Providing they will have us back. Um, it will be called Loose Lips. Um, this has come after several years of extremely hard work, so thank you guys for coming out. Thank you guys for following us on Tumblr and on Facebook and liking our stories and making our hashtag happen. I cannot tell you how much of a dream come true and how much fun this fucking show is. This is my job. This is my job. So thank you, everybody, and I cannot wait to see you here in a year for the book release. We are so fucking stoked. It is beyond all reason. All right. You guys want to know who wrote what? Yeah, you do. Are these table mics live? They're good? Yeah? Okay. All right. Ashley C. Ford. <laughs> All right, baby. What'd you do? What'd you do? Oh, my God. first time your sister ever heard your writing is that really true because that's what I heard backstage yes this is my the first time my sister's ever been to New York and (laughs) welcome to New York the first time my sister has ever heard anything I've written so 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 what did what did what did she hear that you wrote Ashley I wrote Gimli Isaac Fitzgerald. Hi. Is there something you want to tell us? Uh, first off, come on, give it up for Amy. Oh, no, no, no. Give it up for Shipwrecked. Give it up for Nikki, Ashley's sister. <laughs> Woo! Who literally just had to sit through that. <laughs> Gimli's chin's a dick. Best cra- 
crowd reaction of the whole night. You were like, she was like, chin dick, and you all were like, oh, my pearls! Like, it was amazing, it was amazing, it was amazing. That was it, that was it. That set the whole show, that set the tone, that set the tone. Chin dick set the tone for the rest of the night. Isaac, you what did you do? Uh, what did you do, Isaac? Zomba Dumba Bombadil. With his martini. I gotta tell you, I have never been happier to see a submission come in than I did when I saw his come in. Accompanied with a video. Do you want to talk about your video, Isaac? No. No, you don't. I burned it. It's fine. All right. I burned it. You're good. Yeah. Lauren Bucus, talk to us. Tell us what you wrote. So I was late. Um, I actually finished writing this on the plane on the way from uh, Cape Town to Johannesburg. With, uh, yeah, seriously. Uh, two days ago. Where? Where? So, so Cape Town to Johannesburg, and then like we finalized it from Johannesburg to New York. 26 hours of travel to get here, including airports. I hope you guys appreciate that. Is this amazing? This is amazing. Amazing. And you got some cool stuff coming up at Comic-Con, too. Yeah, you should talk about that. So, so, so I was with um, my... I, I have a comic coming out tomorrow with Dale Halverson, who I was traveling with. It's called Survivor's Yo, Club. It's gonna be so good. It's called Survivor's Club. What if the '80s horror movies? What if the '80s horror movies were real? And, and where are those kids today? <laughs> so we're on the plane, me and Dale, who's my co-writer on, on Survivor's Club. It's first time in the U.S. Please buy him a drink. Um, and and we are writing the Sauron orgy scene. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And the guy sitting opposite us is like, he's clutching his Kindle going. <laughs> so to the guy on the plane, I'm really sorry. He's just jealous. He's jealous. You know that guy's jealous. Your life is so much more fun than that guy's life. All right, you got it? Yeah, okay. Hello, Michael. Hello. Oh, do, do, you want to, do, you want to tell us, do you want to tell us what you wrote? Um, uh, I will say of my books only that it's uh, Harry Potter joins the Navy Steels instead of going to Hogwarts. So if that's what yeah! you're into. If that's what you're into, I'm easy to find. M-Y-K-E. I think I'm the only writer who spells it that way. Show us the guns. Yeah, yeah do, it. do it. Do it, do it, do it. Get your cameras ready. Mike, we came here for the gun right. show. File under things I didn't expect to do tonight. Woo! Yes, so honey. So we have enthusiastically thanked Amy for doing this, but I also want to give a round of applause to Cecil. There is nothing more affirming for an author than to hear your writing come to life like that. Thank you. And also, I've been fielding requests from all of my friends on Twitter. Oh, my God, you're with Cecil from Nightville. Tell him I love him. And I did Shadow Facts. Yeah! Thanks.
first mic. Hi, Molly. <laughs> Hi. Hi. You guys might recognize Molly from the person who's usually at the merch booth outside. <laughs> but tonight, but tonight, I have her under my clutches. Molly, what did you write, Molly? I grew up in rural Oregon, and I really like trees. Oh. I really like trees. She re really, really likes trees. <laughs> That's all I got for you. <laughs> Grisky. Hi, Amy. Hi, Sarah. <laughs> Hi. Um, so that story very nearly featured Elsa from Frozen. Um, you would have broken them, they would have died. Sarah, they would have died. Uh, like a, a braid train scissoring, do you want to build a snowman situation? <laughs> but I decided to stay more canon, so... Uh, I realize that's very important, is to stay on canon. Um, yeah, so that's my fault. Good Gladriel. Thank you for listening. Griffin! The notorious Sarah Griffin. All right, you guys, we're about to announce the winners. All right, in third place, Gimli, son of Glowin. <laughs> You did. Chin dick for life. May you never recover from that indignity in your sister's eyes. Yeah. <laughs> in second place, Galadriel. Yes! Stand up, Sarah! Stand up, stand up, stand up, stand up! With your fucking tit shirt! moment of them ch chanting tit shirt yes you're welcome for that okay good and your winner of shipwreck lord of the rings is tom bombadil